Hello and welcome to the Care It Out Sleep Show, a podcast for tired parents who are searching for a bit more sleep the caring way. I'm your host, Kerry Secker, infant sleep consultant, founder of my unique sleep approach, Care It Out, and your caring sleep supporter. I really hope you'll join me on my mission to get small to settle night's sleep without the tears, training, or techniques. I love talking about sleep and I can't wait to share my sleep subjects with you. My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hello, you are listening to the Care It Out Sleep Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Today on the show, I am joined by Stacey Zimmels from Feed, Eat, Speak. Stacey is an IBCLC lactation consultant and a feeding and swallowing specialist, sleep therapist. I think I've got that right, Stacey. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Kerry. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited. No, I'm really excited. I know you are really super busy. Um, if you don't follow Stacey on Instagram, I highly recommend you do. Her feed is amazing. There's always a little bit of nugget of information on there, something to look at. It is amazing. So I know how busy you are, um, but I am very excited. Did I introduce you okay there? <laughs> yes, that's exactly my title and qualifications. Yep. Yay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Stacey. Tell us a little bit about Feed, Eat, Speak and about you, what you do, how you work with families. Tell us everything. Okay, so I have an account on Instagram, Feed, Eat, Speak, where I share um, my expertise, I suppose, around all types of feeding particularly breastfeeding but I also have information about how you can how you can feed your baby from a bottle moving through to weaning um, fussy eating but also feeding difficulties and feeding challenges with my speech therapy sort of feeding specialist hat on so that's my um, Instagram account and the same business I provide support for families um, one-to-one support lots of online support but also face-to-face in my London-based clinics um, COVID dependent um, and I'm more recently I've been doing some pop-up webinars um, I also have a feeding blog on my website uh, which I think is going to be in the show notes and um, yeah I just really want to sort of share good quality evidence-based information around feeding. I suppose the background to it is that I have two children, uh, still quite small, nearly five and nearly three. And certainly when I was sort of in the baby world, I found that there was a real lack of good quality information around feeding. And that's what prompted me really to start my account when Gabriel was um, a little one. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's helpful to families. Yeah, d- definitely. You definitely sound like you're a lady with many hats, Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> and I I mean, I just love your approach to to it. Like I'm very very similar in in my approach to sleep. Good quality information, clear evidence based. I think there's so much noise in the parenting world. And we live in an age, we were talking about this before, like we live in an age of information, um, which is really handy. I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. I think actually it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, And it can feel so overwhelming. There's so much noise, so many different opinions, there's so many shoulds, what you must be doing. It's really tricky I think for a lot of families and a lot of parents to to tune in to what's working for them so yeah I'm all about that too 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when I when it comes to feeding, I'm sure you're the same with sleep. You know, look at where the source of your information is coming from. If you're looking for feeding advice, find it from a page that's run by a qualified feeding specialist, you know, with training and, and, and a background. And find the fit that works for you. You know, everyone's approach will be different and how you parent your children will be different, uh, for, you know, and specific to you and your family. So, you know, find your people, find your sources of information and, and sort of stick with them if they work for you and they sound like they resonate with you. Yeah, that's really important, get, finding somebody that resonates with you. And I think, I do feel that um, this might not always happen, but I do think practitioners have a duty of care to stay in there, to give advice that they are qualified to give. So, for example, I'm not qualified to offer feeding advice, so I very rarely touch and speak about feeding. If I do want to talk about that, I will talk to somebody, such as yourself, Stacey, um, that is qualified to do so. So I think that's really important if you're looking for advice out there yeah definitely cool well today we are going to be talking about breastfeeding and sleep it's definitely a massive parenting topic and I thought it'd be really nice to go through it in or you mentioned doing this in chronological order so starting at a newborn how their sleep is how the breastfeeding what the breastfeeding is like at that stage and then go through it by age and stage is that okay sounds fantastic yeah amazing so let's start with the newborn phase oh just gets me broody just talking about it um what's happening at the newborn phase with breastfeeding you can if you start and then I'll crack on with the sleep sure. bit I mean certainly at the beginning um you know the, the the baby is feeding a huge amount and you're working to establish breastfeeding successfully and funny when it comes to sleep and I, I think you'll talk about it but sleep can be a bit of a a barrier in the first days because babies can either, are often sleepy when they're born but also can have a touch of jaundice and they're not that reliable in terms of waking up to feed when they're very very little and it's probably one of the sort of only times where you might need to wake your baby up to feed them um, and also you may struggle to get them to feed reliably because they get so sleepy and so I think probably at the beginning there you know the first things that you're thinking about and, and those concerns is like well they're sleeping really well so should I just let them sleep or should I continue to feed them I think as a rule of thumb you know you're aiming for eight feeds as a minimum in 24 hours where you feel that your baby is awake enough to be transferring milk from one or both breasts and you're offering both breasts but that actually if you're not achieving that then you are looking at waking your baby to in order to achieve that both to make sure that they are fed and gaining weight and also to make sure that you're stimulating the breasts and your breast milk supply um, until you get to a place where they're reliably waking and feeding that number of times as a as a minimum but very often much much more and also that they're they're gaining weight as you know your health visitor or midwife would be expecting yeah I think that's great advice you are completely like new, every newborn is born naturally nocturnal mm -hmm. and that's often a bit of a shock for some parents I think we're often there's this expectation that babies are going to be born they're going to get 
straight into this routine um, and start feeding and getting into that sleep routine straight away. But every single baby is born naturally nocturnal because during the when they're in their womb, during the day, your movement would lull them off to sleep. And then at night time, safe, quiet would come out and nourish from the placenta. Um, and my biggest sleep tip for the for the first um for the first three months is to it's hard not to but try not to worry too much about the routine I think we'll talk about that later but um try to get them to help with the circadian rhythm and to help them because newborn babies when they are really sleepy and they're coming to the breast they're going to find it very difficult to feed lots of natural light during the day so open the curtains during the day get fresh air in your house open the curtains get them out in natural sunlight as, as much as you can I think babies winter like autumn and winter babies will struggle more with this especially we're based in the UK it can be pretty grey um over winter here and that can be really difficult um but get them out as natural light as possible keep it noisy during the day as well I think there's lots of myths around babies sleep and one of them is to I'll come back onto it. Never wake a sleeping baby. I'll address that in a second. But I think one of them is, is that you've got to tiptoe around the baby and not make a noise. My suggestion would be to always, um, like, I'm not saying go out and play like loud music around. I'm not saying that at all. But it's okay to keep your like normal noise, your family noise levels up and keep that chatting going, because that can really help them. And talking to your baby when you're feeding them as well, that can help like make it a really nice time that they both of you look forward to. And there's that interaction and and, and um, like that uh, conversation with your baby. So they just look at you and um, like coo at you. But that can be really helpful as well. Yeah, they sound like fantastic tips. And I suppose we should probably just <laughs> on again, I guess, with the newborn phase, you know, the the sort of intensity of both the amount that they feed um, day and night and um, just quite how tough that can be in the time when you're physically and emotionally adjusting to giving birth and the hormones that you have going around your body and maybe a you know a long or traumatic birth or labor and then you're having this infant that seemingly particularly in the night may not want to lay on their crib may have you know longer periods of sleep actually in the day but in the night and it's probably a bit about what you're saying about the noise and, and you can probably talk more about this carry but just to say that you know having them skin to skin having them on you feeding them frequently and, and, and my tips for the nights as well is you know sort of sharing the load so that when you're not feeding you can you can have a bit of a nap and maybe you know uh, your partner can have the baby skin to skin for a while in the night so that you can sleep for an hour or two uh, um in between in between that but knowing that that's all really normal for your baby at that age and stage um as you know you know the both the frequent feet feeding and the seemingly long periods where they need to be on you and 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 want to sleep on you rather than sleep in their cribs right yeah I hear that all the time like so many messages sliding into my dms I've got a brand new baby they won't they they just want to be on me all the time they won't be put down and again a lot of it I love that we're talking about what's normal and what's natural because a massive part of my approach is talking about what's natural and normal and this is it's completely normal for your, again that expectation that you're going to have your baby they'll go down in their crib or their cot 
and they'll um, get into that routine straight away. They'll sleep independently from you straight away. I like that some, but not all rules. So some places do do yeah. that, but yeah. the majority won't do that. And it is completely normal and natural for your baby to want to be on you in those first three months because they've spent three months inside of you. Um, they just want to feel close. You are your everything. And no, you are their everything. Yeah, and it's completely normal and natural to feel like, oh my goodness I don't know if I can do this it's too intense I don't want this like I need to sleep and I think you know recognizing what's normal for the baby but what's normal for the mum with those feelings I think is also really important just to say and just to state it doesn't mean that you're a bad mum or um, that you know your baby's broken it just means that yeah absolutely if you do have a baby that needs to to be on you it is super intense and super hard particularly in those early days and weeks and it's okay to sort of acknowledge that and I know that you know my experience in in mum's groups and when I had a baby just like that who was my first after a traumatic birth and the whole thing is that I could only hear the noise that was coming from the mums about how long their babies were sleeping at night and how they only woke up for two feet yeah. and the noise in my head was like I can't put my baby down I don't think they stopped feeding in the night and and that's super hard um just to acknowledge that really um that that it would be normal to feel lots of feelings about how hard that might be for you at the beginning thank you for reminding me of that I think sometimes I can get caught I I'm not a mother yet and sometimes I think it's very, nobody can understand even when you are a mum nobody can understand what it's like for someone else because it all feels differently but yeah I really thank you for that reminder it's definitely something that um I'm going to take into practice and just acknowledging that it's okay to find it hard I think a lot of the time my focus is yes I, I work with the families and it's a very holistic approach I look at everybody but I think sometimes um a lot of my focus is on the baby so I personally I really appreciate that um Stacey so thank you I can thank my daughter that didn't sleep for a very long time. <laughs> Everything is a massive learning lesson, yeah, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I just wanted to come back to the wake like um the uh, waking a baby up because yeah. this is one I've been writing a blog on this actually, strangely, this week and it's come up again. So this is one of those sleep there's lots of sleep myths when it comes to sleep loads and this is one of those things that you hear all the time you must never wake a sleeping baby don't wake sleeping baby and I have to preface this by saying that I really dislike waking a sleeping baby I think mainly because I spend so long sat at my desk getting the sore backs and shoulders trying to support families to get more sleep it sounds pretty illogical and counterproductive then to say well actually we are going to wake them up but there are instances where waking a sleeping baby up it's something that we don't really we don't want to do that for them and sometimes for us waking up but that is really important if they're for nappy input and output if there's any jaundice there if they aren't hitting the feeds during the day then making sure waking a, a baby up to feed at night time I would recommend that in some cases too yeah absolutely mainly in the newborn stage it's very rare past three or four months I would suggest that Um, and it's very rare that I actually do I would suggest that actually in practice because um, for the majority again that's some but not all rule for the majority of babies that I see in practice feeding is going really well which is I think that's very encouraging and positive 
yeah absolutely and I think that you know that's why um it's important for for professionals to collaborate together when they're working with families also because you know if you're making decisions about sleep and the length of time they might be able to go between feeds or to sleep it's important to know that their feeding milestones are met and you know the same um from my perspective um if they're wanting um advice about routines and sleep and that sort of thing it's important um for me to know that they that their feeding is is well established yeah I we were talking about this earlier like I think it's really important to stay in your lane you're in your scope of practice um and if I if I worked with a family and I got a family sleep story and I thought for a second that it could be a feeding something to do with the feeding or it wasn't it wasn't all sleep related I would 100% wouldn't hesitate to pass them on to the appropriate practitioner it is usually you Stacey (laughs) thank you but one question that does come up a lot on on my practice and on my approach I don't um I don't believe that there's a set age or stage that babies can sleep I know there's a lot of um advice out there that by a set time your baby should be able to go without a certain stretch at night time without a feed and my my take on this and again staying in my scope of practice I focus on the sleep not the feeding but I don't put in the um that a baby should do that it's very much I've I speed I feed I think that's uh, speed is a combination of feeding and sleeping speeding um I concentrate on the sleep and I don't specify a certain amount of uh, times before feed in between feeds because I believe that baby's going to be they don't wear a watch they don't worry because I can't tell the time they're hungry when they're hungry but it would be lovely to get your thoughts on this because I know there is a lot of pressure on parents to get them doing a certain stretch at night time in between feeds and getting them there I think ultimately there's two key things to know is that in order to maintain their growth and uh, to be well nourished, they're going to need to take in a certain amount of calories or milk across 24 hours as an infant or, you know, a newer baby. And how they do that from the breast is so dependent on lots of things so the milk the mother's milk supply the milk storage capacity the baby being efficient and effective at feeding and removing milk and you know yes there are tweaks that we can make to maximize how much a baby can remove milk from that that breast but equally it's a very very much a dynamic relationship that's individual both to the mother and their uh, their lactation and the infant and their ability to feed and so it would be almost impossible to put a one-size-fits-all approach to that but the important thing to recognize is that there are some babies who will be able to take a lot of that milk for whatever reasons you know in uh 16 hours of the day and sleep for the remaining eight at very young ages and there are equally babies and mums where that's that's nigh on impossible and it has to be removed across the day and across the night and the second thing is that when babies particularly at night wake especially as they get older, 
not every time they wake may well, may need to be for the complete nourishment of feeding. So yes, they will feed because it's a very good way to get babies to go back to sleep and a natural way to do that. And it's a, a way that you can comfort and support your baby in the night. But it may well be that those nighttime wake-ups and feeds are, are for sort of a two-minute window where actually arguably that, that wake-up and that feed isn't required for their nutrition. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't feed them at that time. That's not what I'm saying, but it but it recognizes and speaks to breastfeeding, particularly in the night, but in the day as well, being more than just providing your baby or in, or child as they get older with milk solely and so again that becomes really difficult to say well they can go this amount of time without if actually that's your method of comfort and soothing them because this is where I am sure you come in if you are going to (laughs) they need another way of being comforted and soothed so uh, you know and for most of us whipping out a boob is by sure the fastest way yeah but you know that doesn't mean if it's not working for you that that can't be changed but I think that's where you come in Kerry and you sort of take over (laughs) I love that whip out the nip is lots of there's lots of things there actually first of all I just wanted to address the one size fits all I hate this phrase and as you know Stacey I love a pound I actually think one size absolutely sucks because you have to look at everything you have to look at the family the baby the parents like there's so many different layers and um moving parts to to breastfeeding feeding sleeping parenting that I I honestly don't believe there's this one this magic one size fits all I'm really passionate about that um and then the other thing about whipping out the knit like lots of parents or it's mums that tell me this because they're breastfeeding and say so, you know I feel really lazy I know that I'm doing the you know I'm being lazy just getting the boob out and I know that it's you know I'm just doing what works really quickly I know I shouldn't be doing that but I honestly do not think there is anything wrong with ever giving them a breastfeed at night time um I really do believe that and it's never lazy it's never um any of those things giving in um undoing anything I hear these things a lot in practice I'm I'm doing things, it's lazy, I'm taking the path of least resistance. A, a massive part of my approach is helping families to get to where they want to be, get sleep sustainable, but also take the path of least resistance. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. So I just really wanted to stress that out. I hear that a lot from parents, yeah, mums in particular, because they're breastfeeding. So do I, you know, even it just comes out in so many of my feeding consultations, you know, oh, yes. I feed him four times, you know, three times at night or four times a night. I know I shouldn't feed him back to sleep every time. Just like a yeah. natural, normal thing that right, it says who? It says who that you shouldn't do that? You know, it's, yeah. it's it's really a shame that that's the message in our mainstream culture. And and again, it's not that, that if you choose not to, that that's not okay. Of course, it's okay if you choose not to because you don't want, you know, you choose not to. But certainly feeling like it's something you shouldn't do is so, you know, it's so sad, especially because it's so biologically normal. And the reason yeah. that we pick that as our path of least resistance is because of how our bodies and babies are designed that that is how they go back to sleep 
of course yeah. that's why we're picking it because <laughs> it works hello you know and I know it's called the superpower and I call it a superpower because it genuinely you know is a fantastic gift and way of being able to to help your baby sleep so yeah yeah completely agree and actually just to this come again this comes up a lot even when I'm making changes with a family uh, overnight or at nap, whatever we're doing we'll focus on night now because this is what we're talking about but feeding at night time I never ever ever deviate from this if they wake up and need to feed it is always okay to feed them back to sleep at night time mm. to roll away roll back over put them in their crib you never ever have to get your baby have a feed and then get them back awake does that make sense it's always okay if you feed yeah. them at night time to feed them all the way back to sleep um I'm really clear about that because I think sometimes there's oh actually I'm not saying nothing's impossible because nothing ever is yeah. but I've I've never ever deviated from that the whole time I've been in practice if they're up they're asking for feed we give them a feed they go back to sleep we never ever have to stop that at night time from a, a sleep perspective if you've managed to get them back to sleep, why you would wake them up again to make them go back to sleep for different? I know when you say it out loud, it sounds so funny. We're laughing about it, but no, I'm I, I, I'm <laughs> I work with a lot of mums that feel real pressure. There's a lot of um, again, I think it must be a myth out there that if they wake up at night time, we mustn't let them fall back to sleep on the breast after a feed because yeah. it's a bad habit. But right. yeah, I do not buy into that no. at all. Yeah, they have a feed. They're fed back to sleep. If they don't feed back to sleep, then there's, you know, it's all, we always go with the baby. We can't force them to fall asleep at the breast if they're not ready. Then I would put them down. Yeah. But if they fall asleep on the boob, absolutely okay. Yeah. Every single time, I do not deviate from that. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to talk about was stretching feeds during the day. So I get again, this is I'm remembering things that come up when I'm talking to, to parents that they try. Is there any truth in trying to stretch the feeds during the day that they can then mimic that at night? I think I already know the answer or what no. I would say, but I'd love to hear no. it from you. No. And actually, there would be a lot more risk in doing that, that both A, they could compromise their intake which is a significant risk and b that actually they would potentially wake more at night if they're not taking in as much in the day because like i said to you before how much milk a baby can take is dependent on how effective they are at removing the milk but also each individual woman's milk breast milk storage capacity and by stretching a baby longer between feeds you're basically stimulating the breast less which will reduce that milk supply so if you've got a woman who whose ability to keep milk in the breast that's what breast milk storage capacity is effectively is a smaller capacity and this isn't about boob size this is about um, milk supply within the breast then actually the baby will will only be able to remove effectively what is there and that's why there are some babies that naturally can go longer between feeds and only feed from one breast and other babies that feed much more often and need to feed from both breasts because it's about that 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 thing within the mother and you know and everyone's different and there's no you can't have a problem with it it's just how how you are and so you're massively compromising um 
them if you if you were potentially to do that for some groups of babies and the other group I want to mention Kerry if it's all right is you need to be especially wary of stretching babies if there's a tongue tie that hasn't been divided and I talk about this in my IGTV on tongue ties and in my blog but basically babies that have tongue ties but that aren't causing any pain and you know they've still got a decent latch that's fantastic but I've seen in practice some of these babies where they just really do need to be fed very responsibly um, and if you try and stretch them or introduce a dummy or do sleep training at night these babies growth can really be compromised because they're being as efficient as they can but there are some limitations to their efficiency so mm. that's a group where you need to be even more mindful if you know that they've got a tongue tie there that you've you've not divided which is perfectly appropriate you don't need to divide every tongue tie but um when you're starting to think about stretching so I know that was a really long answer but the bottom line is no I mean the other thing is I'm not really sure how you can stretch a bit you know if a baby needs feeding they need feeding and you know the WHO promotes responsive feeding um, yeah rest and the bottle which is what I also do I mean that's not to say if like you're you know on your way out of the house and you're going to be somewhere else in 10 minutes and you know you just need to just go and that you think they're wanting a feed but you're on your way and and you know okay that's fine you know there might be circumstances where that that needs to happen but fundamentally no yeah Thank you so much. I completely agree with you from a sleep perspective. It's just lovely hearing it from a professional. I don't do any stretching, spacing, and I'm very, very clear about this. I don't do any stretching of um, or stretching or spacing of feeds during the day or nighttime. I always promote responsive feeding. Exactly. Apart from when life logistics happens, if your yeah. toddler's just done a poo and you've got to clear that up or... Um, you know something's happened like life just life isn't perfect every day as we know like things will happen then that's absolutely fine but on the whole I, I don't recommend doing that and I don't understand it either because that babies will be hungry when they're hungry I don't understand how you would stretch them out if that makes sense yeah and actually yeah. I don't know if we're about to move on to this now but maybe this would be a nice um sort of leap to the next sort of section of the talk but actually conversely to that when I'm supporting families who are struggling with slightly older babies three or four months old and perhaps they're not sleeping as well at night as they had been and perhaps they're slightly more distracted with their feeding in the day actually I promote the opposite message which is if they're waking really regularly and I and you're not sure if that's because in some part they're hungry here are my strategies to help you take more milk in the day yeah less milk in the day you know um so you know go back to offering both breasts if you weren't um you know and tips for feeding which I think we're going to go on to talk about but Yes. Did you want to mention, because I've got a lot, to, I'm giggling away here because this really resonates with me. I call it the four month feed FOMO. It's definitely very, very real. Did you, before we go on to that, did you want to mention the app thing about following a routine with really young babies? Very briefly. Yeah, yeah just, just to say that, you know, again, I support lots of women who are using um, apps and who may also be 
sort of using various feeding routines that might suggest that you um, do an activity and then put your baby to sleep and then when they wake up feed them or um, or might give you suggested times of feeds and I I would say that in the majority of cases when there's a routine in play and I'm asked to give some support that has been the thing that has really undone where they're at with breastfeeding and it all goes back to what I've talked about around responsive breastfeeding but the other thing I, I want to say is that there's no set time interval between feeds for a baby and there's no set time at the breast that a baby needs to spend and it's very much about watching your baby and not watching any sort of clock or minutes when it comes to their feeding and one of the things with the apps that that the apps can do if you use one to record your baby's feeds is that they can just make you overthink what's going on and um, really like lose yourself and lose your ability to sort of respond to your baby to a degree cause quite a lot of stress because you're looking and you're being like oh my goodness well that feed was only 13 minutes long and actually normally it's 21 minutes and so like maybe I need to just like shove it in a few more times and the baby doesn't want it and the baby gets fussy and, and it's all come from this concept of like you know um this app giving you these numbers and and yeah, I'd strongly suggest that unless you're being asked to monitor your baby's intake or outtake output, both nappies and, um, you know, time at the breast because of a growth concern or something like that, or a food diary you've been asked to keep, then actually just, you know, ditch the apps if you can. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, the best way of marking how long your baby's been on the boob, if you ask me, is like how long an episode of on Netflix have you managed to get through? <laughs> you know, love like it. 20 <laughs> minutes or a 40 minute one or, you know, have you, have you watched a whole box set <laughs> and they're still on the boob? Um, yeah, ditch the apps. That's that's the best advice I can give. Yeah, I think that's really sound and sensible advice, Stacey. I, I call it, um, I have to really be careful how I say this, blocking the clock like clock block because yeah. I hardly ever will ask a family to write down what's happening at night time um and looking at timings because well one it's very rare that I actually need that I can't remember the last time I did that not for a couple of years and secondly it is very stressful to have it written down like that so my advice on the apps is it if a fa- again some families what works for one doesn't work for the other some families you find them incredibly useful and if they do crack on but if you are finding it really stressful yeah. it's it's just not working for you you're finding that they're more of a hindrance then yeah I would block that clock absolutely yeah and I should, have, the said, app. <laughs> I should have said that I mean yeah if, if they're working for you and they're not causing you any stress then okay but just be really wary of looking at feeding from the breast in terms of minutes or interviews yeah. Um, as a general rule and look and be responsive to your baby yeah I think that's really really great advice cool are you happy to move on then to the four month mark yeah definitely. <laughs> this is often a biggie yeah. um so who wants to start do you want to start or shall I start Stacey I don't mind I don't mind either we're far too polite 
<laughs> well, you get started. Okay, so sleep at the four months mark, I really don't believe, I don't believe sleep is linear. So I don't believe that at a set age or stage, it's going to go backwards or forwards. I believe that it, they don't get to a certain stretch or a certain number of feet and they stay there. Sleep is an, an ebb and flow process. And again, quite often there's this expectation that we can teach them or train them to get to a um, certain amount of hours at night time or a set night and then it's going to stay there. Your baby constantly changing as they're growing in development so does their sleep and their sleep needs as well but around four months around the four month mark it could be as young as three and a half months or sometimes as old as four and a half five months your baby will go through the four month progression or regression I know that's that I use that term because that's what families are most familiar with and it is the biggest change to their sleep they're learning a completely new way of sleeping before then they didn't have um sleep cycles it was all one type of sleep deep and then as they um transition into um the four month mark they start having lighter sleep cycles to go with the deep sleep and this is where the sleep um i'm sure most people are familiar with sleep cycles this is where your baby starts cycling between sleep so it's a really massive change for your baby because they are physically learning a whole new way of, of sleeping at night time it's like any new skill when we start doing something new it takes practice and patience for example if we are learning a new recipe or we're going we're driving a new route so the, for the first couple of times we need the, to keep checking the map or checking the sat nav or keep checking the recipe and then as we start to become more familiar with it practice and patience and time we don't need to do that and then we get the hang of it and I really like to, um, I love that analogy with baby sleep. It just takes time. You can't teach them through the four months mark. It's just practice patience and supporting them in how to sleep in this new way. And whilst they're doing it, the impact on sleep is you might notice your baby wakes up more frequently during the day. And at nighttime, I call it the four month feed FOMO, where during the day now they just, if I, I often find parenting can be, and babies can be that push me, pull me, like they want to come on the breast, like they're hungry. They want Want it they want that closeness but also oh what's going on over there I really want to go and have a look and have a nose around so quite often during this stage I've noticed that they um they can get quite fussy at the breast they might um go through a nursing strike they might just have so much going on because the, for babies the first time they everything they see it's the first time it must be amazing for them it's just a hot every day is just a completely new experience for them and sometimes they life can be just a bit too busy and they don't want to focus on their feeds so that's what I've noticed around that mark yeah so definitely in terms of feeding um one of the what you've just pointed out is one of the things that happens around exactly the same window actually around four months but as early as three and as late as five um and it is this idea that they become a lot more aware of the world around them they're more distracted they're more interested to see what's going on and they'll come on the breast to satisfy uh, a thirst or a hunger or to come close to be sort of close and connect with their mum um, but it may well be a fairly short-lived feed and because something else catches their attention or a sibling in the room or their, you know, uh, bus stop <laughs> and there's new noises. Yeah. Um, and the second thing actually that happens um, similarly as the baby progresses really is that they become more efficient at breastfeeding, assuming that everything is going well and they become a lot 
better at removing the milk much faster. And so this is where, you know, ditching the app is helpful because um, it may well be that your baby at this age can remove the same amount of milk in a handful of minutes as they were removing as a newborn during, you know, 40 minute feed. And what happens is we don't trust this because we don't trust ourselves, maybe not educated, and it coincides with what's happening potentially at night. So automatically, instead of us sort of um, going with the flow or, or whatever, we're looking to try and fix it, you know, and we don't trust that actually that is all okay and our baby's still doing okay and we can just go back to checking wet and dirty nappies and those sorts of things and we start to distrust ourselves and think about our supply or our baby's broken or maybe they've got reflux and they're aversive of the breast and all these different types of things is what I hear people say you know I think that they've got colic now because they'll only feed for a short amount of time and then they cry a lot at the breast but actually when you unpick it a lot of times they're crying at the breast because they they are done but we don't believe that they're done and, yeah. you know, and, and again, often it's in the midst of another wave of quite a lot of sleep deprivation from the parents, which make it really hard. And this idea that, you know, of course, you know, your baby needs to be taking in all the milk that they need over 24 hours. So, you know, maybe they're waking up, you know, regularly, regularly because they're hungry and they're not feeding as much in the day. But that's not necessarily. And actually, it's often very rarely the case. It's these mm. developments changes that they're making um, and I certainly find um, that the, like a lot of my clients approach me at this sort of age because it's a really really can be quite a really tough time to be honest um, mm. you know, doubting yourself doubting everything really um, and being super tired at the same time mm. it really highlights how breastfeeding and bed and sleep are so closely linked doesn't it mm. everything's linked yeah and I think that you know in these early days that's sort of your job isn't it like this is what you do you feed them and they you know this is what they do they feed they sleep and then they have these very short periods where they're sort of awake and so there's a huge amount of pressure on on those two things and you know we're probably hyper acute hyper alert to them in these early sort of months once they yeah. get bigger and they start to do more it, it becomes less intense both of those things I think but yeah you can definitely see the interplay between them and why they're such a powerful focus for families and why you know there there are a lot of industries that capitalize you know on those both professionals like ourselves who are there to provide support but equally a lot of stuff just in the public domain whether it be products and fixes and apps and various other things that help you know or designed to help not always mm. um both sleep and feeding yeah no I agree I hear that a lot my baby's broken I just want to reassure you babies are never broken and they don't need fixing I think it's a, and I definitely am a fixer I think it's natural to go straight into that fixing mode if something isn't working mm. I call it Amazon Prime patience if it's not if it's not um coming straight away or if it's not moving forward straight away there's that always that temptation to fix it and try and tinker around with it and a massive part of, of um, my practice is really support it's so hard to trust 
because there's lots of noise outside, but really quietening down that noise, trusting you, trusting yourself, trusting your baby and giving it that time because giving it time nine times out of 10, it settles all by itself and actually trying to fix something constantly or we thinking something needs fixing or forcing it, that can often be more frustration, uh, more frustrating. Do you know, Carrie, that's exactly my experience too. And actually often the families come to me after they've tried to fix things, but the fixing has actually only served to either increase the stress and anxiety or yeah. out. Um, but again, it's about people like us, you know, trying our best to educate mums and families as to what is normal and how to expect these changes. In fact, I'm going to be... Um, rolling out a webinar for just this so it's going to be actually for mums who have had their babies but it's all about what to expect in feeding for the first six months so not establishing breastfeeding because you know a lot of families get that support antenatally but like assuming that you've established it navigating through all these these stages mm. because we're not we're not given this information and it makes it really hard so certainly not judging any families that are trying to find fixes for what they assume as is, is a baby that's no longer feeding as well for example when they don't know any different because they can't access that information yeah so important so so important it's yeah fixing is very frustrating I think it there's something it can be so difficult but surrendering to it mm. accepting that some things I don't believe there is ever a quick fix for anything I yeah. really don't um and accept sometimes accepting that that can often some parents honestly just because they don't need a paid consultation they don't need a consultant they just need someone to hear them to yeah. reassure them and give them that confirmation that yep you've been heard this is natural this is normal and that then gives them the confidence then to carry on and listen to themselves so half the time I will have a chat with parents we don't even book in anything in because they just needed that that mm -hmm. that confidence and that confirmation to, to to do it yeah and I think we were talking earlier weren't we Carrie and you know there are some little tweaks that maybe aren't fixes that you can potentially employ at this age and stage that might give you your confidence back um, and help you feel, I guess, confident that they're feeding as well as they can be in the day and sleeping as well as they can be in the day and making that all work for you whilst being responsive to your baby so that you're going to get the best night that you're going to get um, in keeping with where your baby is clearly at developmentally. Yeah, I agree. The only thing sleep wise at this stage, I wouldn't recommend making any massive changes because they're going for a change. So then introducing an, another massive change on top of that, it's just change carnage. Like no one's going to move, move forward um, and it's going to be much harder than it really needs to be. And again, it's not lazy, but taking that path of least resistance, mm. it comes up a lot. Um, a lot for me and probably for see all I would do at this age is just come and check your basics so just make sure that we're having the opportunity for nap and rest during the day you've got a really solid bedtime routine they might not be calm in the bedtime routine but it's a calm-ish environment parents are calm um, making sure at night time that we are responding to their needs giving them that practice and patience to learn how to wake up 
get back to sleep if they're not asking for support at night time like they're not crying um or they're emo- what I call emotionally easy my suggestion would be if it doesn't go against your instincts or you know they don't need feeding would be to just take a breathe and take a step back and see what they're doing um before going in that can be helpful because again new skill takes time it needs practice and patience for them to get the hang of it and then for the feed FOMO all I would ever suggest at this stage is um taking them somewhere calm and quiet to feed during the night when if uh, no during the day so taking them somewhere calm quiet during the day if you can some parents have actually found like taking them into a darkened room can help get the feed um to get them to feed but again I wouldn't let that become if we get to the stage where it's becoming you feel that it's becoming forced or it's starting to get frustrating I would always park it and then the other one is just keep offering more feeds during the day give them that opportunity to feed during the day and quite often all all by itself just given a little bit of time most cases will like most not cases like family sorry that sounded awful I didn't mean that you your family is a case but in most cases it does settle by itself yeah I mean I give very similar feeding advice um again you don't have to do it but if you wanted to feel more reassured or confident that your baby has had maybe a slightly longer feed you can uh, build that around when they're due a nap you can do it in a quiet room and you can feed them to sleep typically they tend to be longer feeds um and or feeding them to wake so um you know keeping an eye out for when they start to stir from a nap easy if they're on you if they're napping on you but if they're on a you know you know in a crib or something just keeping a little eye on the crib and that as they start to stir waking them up and feeding them to wake can be yeah. uh, can be nice but not in a way that causes you know any pressure that you feel like you're wed to the bedroom to have to do this um but yeah if it will reassure you and make you feel better then it's okay to do it once or twice a day um and the other thing is that sometimes you can you know there's a lot of myths around you know baby needs to feed for a certain amount of time to empty the breast and full milk and hind milk and i'm not even going to go there with that in this chat (laughs) however you know, if your baby started having much shorter feeds, but they typically used to only feed from one side, go back to offering them a second breast and they may well feed um, the second breast, even though yeah. they used to. So, yeah, that's another tip for me. Um, um, and, yeah, like just ma- maximising when you know they feed best. So, like looking at Kerry's stuff around nap gaps, knowing when a, a, a good window for a sleep might be and then offering them the breast to feed them to sleep yeah makes total total sense I think that's very very again sound and very sensible advice I was going to ask you something about the four month mark and it's just completely gone (laughs) maybe it'll come back (laughs) no it's completely gone oh that's so annoying Oh, so annoying. We've talked about surrendering. Babies are never broken. There's no quick fix. Oh, yeah. I think it was just to reiterate what we were saying about the forcing and the fixing. Like, I think it's fine to make these tweaks. Like, I completely agree. We were talking about this before, weren't we, Stacey? That quite often there are some little tweaks or some little changes that you can put in place. I call them sleep suggestions that can help to make a difference. But again, I don't feel that there's any quick fix. And as soon as anything starts becoming stressful um forced or it a parent or the baby's getting frustrated 
I would park it and go back to what you were doing before because when you're stressed, you're you're in fight or flight mode, your baby's in fight or flight mode, they're not um, conducive for feeding and for both feeding and sleeping, actually. Like no one's going to fall asleep or have a really decent feed um, once they get to that point. Definitely. It's like a tricky message and balance, I guess, between what we're saying, which is actually this is all really normal therefore you don't need to do anything to fix it but Mm -hmm. recognizing that just saying it's really normal and you should struggle and suffer through it if it's really debilitating if it's causing you stress you know despite it being normal which often is the case that there are a few little things to try but really only if they're going to help not hinder that's sort of the message it sounds like we're both giving from a normal developmental change around this period with both sleep and feeding, breastfeeding. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I call it having a bed break. Like if something is like you're trying to get your baby down for a nap, I don't know whether it'd be the same for a feed. I'd like to hear your take on it. It's always okay to stop, take a break, stop doing what you're doing, go into another room, go outside, start doing something different, like take a break from it, pause it, 10 15 minutes later try again yeah it's slightly different with feeding because I would just sort of say to be responsive to your baby so if you you know if you think your baby wants to feed and you offer the breast and they don't want it yeah that's it you're done and wait till they show you another cue or try again later I think the risk with that sort of approach with feeding is is sort of getting lost in whose cues are they and who's wanting this baby to feed at this time um which is different to the naps when I think that they you know there are certainly do need to have naps at certain intervals or times from what I understand across the day so um I think with the sleep with the feeding it would be more like you know offer your baby the breast if you think they want it or offer if you think they if you think they haven't fed for a while but you know just once and if they don't want it then move on and watch them for more cues yeah yeah no that makes total sense makes total sense cool and then what was the last thing we just oh going back to work should we briefly touch on this do you want to do or it's up to you it's completely up to you I feel we've covered absolutely loads but if you wanted to talk about um how to because that is quite I get asked that a lot maybe that would be a separate podcast quite a big topic um so I wonder whether we sort of stop here with with the sort of sleep and feeding and and maybe I can come back and talk about that yeah definitely welcome anytime Stacey absolutely I think that would be a whole other uh, yeah there's a lot to go through there because I agree with probably sleep and feeding when you're thinking about going back to work will they nap at nursery how long can I go without feeding you know feeding do I need to pump there's probably loads in that topic about both areas about both yeah areas. no you are completely right I would love you to um come back on and talk about that because I do think that would be a whole other episode in itself and one that would be very very useful Pop it on the list, Kerry. <laughs> oh, my list is getting longer and longer, but I will do. Is there anything else, Stacey? Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Um, been absolutely lovely talking to you. I've definitely learned some things and will be learned some things um, that I can go and take into my practice. I don't mean that I will be 
offering food advice, feeding advice, because I won't. Um, but definitely things, reminder for me for things going into practice. Is there anything else? Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? You mentioned your webinar, actually. Did you want to talk a little bit more about the webinar? Or should I put that in the show notes? Pop it in the show notes. Um, but it's just to say that I will be launching that at some point when I get around to it. <laughs> I'm doing, I've, it's, I've had this... Um, older like an infant sleep course on my webinar for ages and I just haven't got around to do it it's terrible but it is all if you're listening and you're looking for sleep with uh sleep help for older children it is coming I promise it's just my list gets longer and longer and longer cool any last words of wisdom from you Stacey I've really enjoyed your little pearls thank you very much no I think that sort of covers I think what what I wanted to talk about when it came to feeding and sleep yeah amazing well thank you so much for joining us Stacey it's been absolutely lovely talking to you that time has just whipped past I've loved it and yes I I'm really looking forward to having you back on the sleep show soon fantastic thank you so much for having me Carrie I look forward to coming back again you're welcome yay take care bye 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 thank you so much for listening to me your host Kerry Secker on the Carrot Out Sleep Show I really hope you found the podcast reassuring, informative and a little bit fun. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show below and I'd be so grateful if you could leave me some fabulous feedback. I always love hearing from you and one lucky listener will win lifetime access to my Bedtime Basics e-course every single month. My next podcast episode will be out in two weeks time but if you can't wait for more of my sleep shizzle you can find me over on Instagram at carrotoutsleepconsultant. I update my sleep squares and speak sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity to you all.